Well, come on now. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? You got to make a little bit of noise. Good to see you guys, man. We want to welcome you to Better Life Church. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We want to welcome everybody watching online and literally all over the world today. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, for some of you who don't know this maybe, but we are one church in two locations. Because of the favor and what God is doing with the influence here at Bear Life Church, we've actually expanded to a campus in Grayson. We launched a church there. They're with us today. Come on, can we get up for our Grayson campus? We love you guys. Pastor Aaron, killing it over in Grayson. And no, that's our vision to continue to take Bear Life Church to all the cities around us as God leads us. So man, it's so good to see you. In fact, look at the person sitting beside you and say, you look good today. Tell them, say, you look good today. Look good. Look back at them and say, you don't look bad yourself. Tell them, say, you don't look bad yourself, right? Well, this is the fifth part of our, our, our final part of our series here, Across Equals Love. But before I jump into the message, I just got to give a real quick commercial break. Uh, usually I'll wait to the end or maybe the host will do this, but I want to personally take a moment to just invite you to join us to be part of something uh, I think that's very significant. It's really going to impact your life, your family, and, your ch and this church. You know, um, when God called us here to plant a church uh, 14 years ago or 13 years ago when we actually came, um, there's some things in my life that God really used. And one of the things that God uses was this, uh, a guy named Henry Blackaby wrote a long, long time ago, back in the late nineties, uh, this book called Experiencing God. And how do you experience God? And how does God move and work around you? Well, I was going through his study and I did some of his devotion stuff. And, and what I want to do, because it's so impactful in my life, I want it to impact your life as well. And so starting next Sunday, we're kicking off a brand new series called Experiencing God. And here is the seven realities of experiencing God. I'm literally going to be preaching, walking through this. It's got a daily devotion, some questions. If you want to jump into a group, this is your time. If you want to start a group with your friends after work or in your dorm room you, or, you, or, or wherever you want to meet, or maybe you get your families after church on Sunday, you already meet with them and eat anyway. Grab one of these and go through it. Husbands and wife, go through it together. Do it individually. Maybe you're watching online and you're all over the, someplace in the world. Grab one of these. In fact, we bought a bunch of them. Uh, they're only 10 bucks. We actually, we, we paid way more than that, but we want to make sure that everyone can get a copy of this and they're in the back when you leave. If you want to grab one, get it because I'm going to walk you through this. You can go right along with me. It's got a devotion for you. I'm telling you what, it's going to change your life because it really teaches us and shows us, God, where are you working? And God, wherever you're working, send us there. That's our strategy to plant churches and to plant campuses into the cities around us. God, show us where you're working and send us there. And we want that for your family. We want it for your workplace or wherever God's going to use you because we believe that God wants to use you greatly. So if that's you, you want to be part of it, pick one up. If not, you can just follow along right with us because I'm going to be preaching through it as well. And so today I want to share with you a very simple message. You know, last year was crazy, right? We're still in the midst of chaos, but last year was really crazy. 99% of the churches shut their doors in the United States on Easter weekend. We were anticipating that 4,000 plus people were going to show up in person at one of our campuses. It was going to be the biggest Easter we've ever had in a short history of, of our church. And we actually didn't open the doors. And I stood on stage and we broadcasted the message. And our tech team told us, said, Pastor Daniels, once you know that we impacted way more than 4,000 people, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people joined us on Easter weekend last weekend. And now fast forward today, right? Life has been complicated. And when life gets complicated, you get perplexed. It changes your atmosphere or it changes your mindset for the things around you. If, if, if everything around you is confusing or complicated, it affects you. 
It affects your marriage. It affects your job. It affects your relationships because you're confused. And everybody last year was somewhat confused and still are somewhat. Like, I don't understand what happened and what's God up to and, and is this really gonna be like this forever? I just wanna get back to normal. But when you're perplexed and you're confused, it not only affects you, it affects your emotions. And last year we saw you know, uh, anxiety medicines out the roof, depression medicine out the roof. Why? Because people are struggling with anxiety and depression because they don't understand what's going on. And they're confused, the situation, they're worrying. Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be able to provide for my family? Is, is things going to get back to normal? And when this uh, affects you, listen, it affects everything around you. It affects your marriage, your workplace relationship, it affects school, it affects everything. So in the midst of this com- complicated world, right? Coming off of 2020, we had a complicated, crazy political season that went place and then a pandemic. And, and then on top of that, a, a vaccination is trying to change the world, get everybody back to normal. And so in, this, in, in, in the midst of all the stress and complications and confusion out there, I just want to share with you a very, very, very simple, simple message today. I want to keep it simple because what happens is a lot of times, if everything else is confused, then you might think the Bible is. You may, maybe the Bible's just confusing me. It's just hard to understand. And so what I want to do today, this is crazy. What I want to do today is I want to take, I believe, the greatest verse, one verse, just one verse today in the entire Bible. And I want us to walk through it phrase by phrase because here's the reality. If you don't get this one verse, there's nothing else you're really going to grasp and understand. You just got to get this one simple yet profound verse that will radically change your life. In fact, you know what the crazy thing is? You already know this verse. This is probably the most famous verse in the Bible, especially across the world. You'll see this Bible verse hanging up in end zones at football games. You'll see it on t-shirts. You'll see it, people walk around. You'll see it on a poster. You'll see it on a sign. These, you'll see it on a billboard going out. This is probably the most famous verse in all the world. Yet, even Christians, and yet people don't fully understand the impact of this one single verse. So I want to keep it very simple today because at the end of the day, I want everyone watching online or in person to get this because if you can get this, it will change your life. And this verse is John 3, 16. Now, I know you've heard that verse. It sounds like really that, that simple. I know that verse. And you probably can quote it. You might even know where it's at in the Bible, or, but you could probably quote it because you've heard it your whole life if you've been part of church. And if you haven't been part of church, man, I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad you, you keep coming back. You are so welcome to be here and worship with us as a family. But John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Folks, that one verse, so simple yet so profound, will change your life if you can fully just grasp it. So let's just keep it simple and let's walk through this verse right here. Here's the first thing I want to share with you. And the first part of that verse of the phrase, it says, for God so loved the world. Folks, I would say this is the greatest love. This is the greatest love for God so loved the world. Now that word love we use loosely, don't we? We throw love out there all the time. Like, like I love some Krispy Kreme. Can I get a witness? Like when that sign is hot and ready, come on, your, your taste buds already been to slide. Like, I mean, you just go, oh, dear Jesus, get me there, right? I mean, come on, you love some Krispy Kreme. Like, I love Krispy Kreme. Like, I love sweet tea. Like, I mean, I think unsweet tea is from the devil. I'll just call it what it is. It's from the devil. Like, I love, I love coffee, right? I love different kind of coffee. I love trying coffee. I love coffee. I love it. Like, I love these things. 
But it's a difference when I say like, I love my wife or I love my, or all my kids. I, I want you to see the intensity of how much God loves you. It says, for God so loved the world. My wife, I tell her all the time, I don't just tell my wife I love her. You could ask her. I always, I, I'm very dramatic. I know that surprises some of y'all, but I'm very dramatic. I always tell my wife, I love you so much. I mean, I'm always like, I'm always like that. And she's like, okay, then do dishes. All right, get out of here. I'm like, like no, honey, I, I love you so much. Like, I just don't love you, girl. I love you so, 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 so much. I, I'm always, you can even ask her, constantly tell her. It's, it's, it's a passion. It's intensity. It, it, it's with this, honey, you don't understand the intensity of how much that I love you. And I can't believe that you picked me. I mean, we've been married 21 years and I'm still honeymooning. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still feel like that. I'm just so in love with her. And God says, listen, I so love you. When's the last time you've heard someone tell you that they loved you? See, a lot of times people are struggling. I just want to be loved. I just want someone to recognize me. I just want someone to love me. And God said, I loved you. In fact, the Bible says this, that before God even made the world, he loved you. Before he ever flung the stars into the universe, created the planets, he loved you. Now, sometimes that's hard for us to fathom. I never forget, after I got married there in 99, and, and it was January of 2000, I have my journal, and I'm writing in my journal, January 1st, 2000. And in my journal, I begin to write 21 years ago. I said, God, someday I pray for my children. I pray that you, you would give me kids. I loved my children before they ever were born. Before they were even born, I already loved them. I was already praying for them before God even gave them to me. And then the moment we found out that we were, we were pregnant, when I say we, I mean my wife, when she was pregnant, I was like, are you kidding? And I began to pray and I put my hand on her belly and that's because she thought I was praying for my boys, but I really just want to touch her, you know, because I love her. And like, I, like, I put my hand on her belly and I began to pray for her and I prayed for my baby. And then my son was born early. He was a preemie. And, and, and when he was born, my hand was bigger than my son. And, I, and they, they wouldn't let me back there. And they finally let me go back before Leanne even got to see him. And I went back to my firstborn and I put my hand on my son and instantly I began to pray. I couldn't pick him up yet, but I began to pray for him, not for just God to him. I was praying that God was going to use him great. I began to pray for his wife. He was just born, y'all. That nurse was going, this guy cray cray. Like, what in the world got into this? I'm sitting in the NICU going, God, I pray that you're going to use him great and send him a godly woman. And you're going to, God, and I was just going at it, man. I was just praying for my, I loved him before I even saw him, before I even knew him. See, God loves you the same way. He knew you would be here today. In fact, before he even created the universe, he knew that he was going to allow you to be born into the skin color that you're born into, the generation that you're born into, to the family. You can't even pick your family. God picked the family that you would be born into. And then he gave you breath this morning and woke you up knowing you would be here today for you would hear these words. He loves you. And not only does he love you, he loves you so, so much. He loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. And his love is completely different than human love because his love is unconditional. Human love is based on condition. I love you if you. If you love me, I love you. It's an if. It's all based on condition. Why? Because human love wears out and human love sometimes doesn't work out. But God's love always, always, always will be there for you. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 8, nothing in all creation will ever separate you from God's love. Nothing in all creation. Now listen, this is, this is so profound. You can't make God stop loving you. 
Some of you need to hear this. I mean, let, let that sink in because some of you are doing really good trying to make him not love you. No matter what you say, no matter how bad you may act, listen to me, there's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. And some of you right now, you think that God can never love you because, Pastor, dude, you don't know what I've tried. You don't know what I've said. You don't even know what I've done last night. You don't know where I'm coming from. You don't even know my background. You don't even know my past. You, you have no, there is no way that God, God would love me. You may make, you may think you can make God stop loving you. And if you try, you will fail. And this is the reason why. Because God's love is not based on who you are. It's based on who he is. Do you see that? It's based on who he is, not, not how good you are, not what you've done, not what you've accomplished. It's not based on you. God loves you because God is love. And there's nothing you can do to ever separate yourself from God's love. It's not based on your performance. That's why so many people think, I can't live the Christian life. I can't be good enough. I've tried it. I've walked an hour. I've said a prayer. I've tried to be good. I've tried to read my Bible. I just can't do it. Because you think God's love is based on your performance. And it's not based on your performance. It's based on what he has done for you. He loves you on your good days. He loves you on your bad days. He loves you when things are going well. He loves you when you don't, think, when you don't feel it. He still loves you. Because God is love. And he knew that you would be here today, thousands of years ago. So you would hear this right here. That he loves you. And there's nothing you could do to separate yourself from God's love. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians 3. He says, and may you have the power to understand this, as all of God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep God's love is for you. There's, the, there's no end to it. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. There's two things, if you see this verse, he says, I want you to know that he loves you, but don't miss it, but I want you to experience. Have you experienced God's love in your life? Like his unconditional love for you. See, this is the greatest love ever, which leads to the second part of this verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son, which is why we were here celebrating Resurrection Sunday on this Easter weekend. God gave his son. Love and giving goes together. Listen to me, listen to me. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You know how you spell love? G-I-V-E. You give. Like I tell, I tell I love my wife because I give myself to her. I give everything I am to her and to my family because I love them. See, love is about giving for God so loved you. He gave his one and his only son. Now listen to me. I love you. There ain't no way in the world I'm gonna give my kid up for you. And I don't expect you to give your kid up for me. But God so loved you. He gave us, watch this, the greatest, the greatest sacrifice ever, his son, for you and for me. Jesus didn't have to die, but he did. He chose to do it for you and me because he loved us. And this is the greatest sacrifice ever. Paul writes in Romans 5, it says, but God showed his great love for us. How? How did God show love? By sending his son, Jesus. To do what? To die for you. Why? When you still were a sinner, when you still blew it, and you still blow it. He said, I'm gonna send my son for you. Even in the midst of all your sin. He goes on to write, 1 John, it says, 
He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of the world. It's one thing for me to carry my sin around, but God poured out all the sin onto his son 2,000 years ago. And then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, for God made Christ who knew no sin to be the offering of our sin so that you and I could be made right with God. See, God knew there was no way we could get to him. You can't be good enough. You can't come to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't tithe enough. You can't serve enough. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to get there. And that's what some of you try to do. That's why you, you've given up on the church or given up on following Jesus because you think, I'm just not good enough. I'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. That's the whole reason why Jesus came. And when you get that and realize, oh my gosh, I'll never be good enough. But Jesus took my place. He sacrificed himself for me so that I get to go there with him. It's not about being good. It's about being forgiven. Have you been forgiven? Have you experienced the greatest sacrifice that's ever been given for you out of the greatest love that was ever shown? His one and only son. Keep reading, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And watch this, here's the next part of the phrase, that whoever believes in him, this is the greatest offer that's ever been extended to you. This is the greatest offer that's ever been given, that whoever believes in him. Everybody say whoever. You know what whoever means? Whoever. Good people, bad people, Democrats and Republicans, right? Whoever. Whoever believes no matter nationality, no matter what country you're born into, no matter your skin color, no matter where you've come from, whoever believes has a chance at this. Just whoever. Which means this. Guess who's included in whoever? You. Because here's what some of you think. Well, that might be good for them, and that might be good for her, but for me, whoever believes. This is the free gift of salvation that God wants to give to you. But don't miss this. It didn't say whoever goes to church. It didn't say whoever reads their Bible, whoever drops a 20 in a bucket when it passes by, whoever serves. Look what it says. Whoever believes. Now, here's my question. Do you believe? And what the majority of you would probably say, uh, well, dude, uh, that's kind of why I'm here today. Like, you know, I, I kind of checked this God thing out. I, I believe uh, and some of you here, um, because someone just bribed you to come, they're going to get you a free meal after church. Hey, you take it for what it's worth, man. We're glad you're here. You, do, you keep using that. If you need to, you know, feed, feed them all the time, whatever it may take. Right? And you're like, well, I believe that's why I'm here. But here's the question. Listen, listen. Do you have the right belief? Because when you look through the scriptures, all the demons believe. The devil believes. Do you have the right belief? Because you could believe and not know. You could believe intellectually. Jesus came, he died and got by the grave. Sure, I believe that intellectually. But have you received that? Do you have the right belief? And there's a big difference. Because I don't, I don't know if, a, if a, 
Remember a few weeks ago, I talked about that the church is on a major decline in the United States. Church membership has just gone out the roof. Like since 1938, if you remember this a few weeks, I showed it, it was like seven out of 10 Americans were members of a church. And then in 1948, it spiked to 74% of Americans were members of a church. And it stayed in the 70s all the way to the year 2000. And the year 2000, it dropped dramatically from the 70s, then to the 60s, and then to the 50s. Now for the first time ever since they've been tracking this, since 1938, it's the first time ever in America that it's below 50%. It's like 48% of Americans now claim they are members of a church. And I shared with you and suggested to you, why do we believe the church in 20 years has made a dramatic decrease, a dramatic decline? Listen, I just read last week that 8,000 churches were closing their doors every week, every year pre-COVID. 8,000 churches in the United States were closing their door pre-COVID. They're believing it's going to be 16,000 doors. 16,000 churches will close their door this year alone in 2021. The church is on a major, major decline. And I suggested to you the reason, and everybody knows the 100% of the reason. We don't know what the Lord is up to or why that's happening. We do know that when persecution comes to the church, the gospel expands dramatically. We see that all through church history. And there will come a day the church will be persecuted even more. And some would think we're persecuted now. Nothing like it is across the world. And what I suggest to you, the reason I believe the church is on a major decline is because they have people who walk around and say they believe in Jesus, but they don't act like Jesus. And that's a big difference. You can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian anymore. A believer or a non-believer. So you may walk around and say, I believe, but do you have the right belief? What's the right belief? Well, that word believe means I believe something so much, with so much passion, with so much intent, with so much conviction that it radically alters and it changes my life. Listen to me. If you say you believe in Jesus and it's never changed you, you got the wrong belief. My eighth grade year, I walked an aisle, said a prayer, and was baptized, but I never met Jesus. I believed but I never met him. My senior year at Belfry High School, I walked an aisle, said a prayer, was baptized, even went to Sunday school class, y'all. And then two months out later, living like a hellion. Well, I believed, but I didn't have the right belief. It wasn't until I was a junior in college on September 2nd, 1997, and God radically changed my life. And I mean radically changed my life. And here's how I knew I believed. God radically changed me so much. Guess what? I didn't say the things I used to say. I didn't go to the places I used to go. I stopped doing the things that I used to do. Why? Because when you truly believe, it changes your life. So you may go around and tell people you're a Christian. That's good. You know, you, 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 all this stuff. But has it changed you? And then has the world seen it in you? I still believe, obviously, Jesus is the hope of the world, but it's Jesus' organization called the church that's going to, God, use it to change the world. But we must understand, do we have the right belief? And I'm, listen, so many people say, I believe. But do you have the right belief? As he gave the greatest offering to you, just believe. But that's, I mean, all I got to do is believe, but that's, that's, that's not fair. Like, I should pay for my sins. I should earn it back. I gotta, I gotta do something to say, God, thank you for, what do you, just believe, just believe. Well, that's not fair. That's called grace. 
See, Jesus took my punishment. He took my place on the cross. All I gotta do is believe in that great work, not my works, because I will never be good enough, and neither will you. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need a Savior. So we have the greatest love that we've ever seen for God's love of the world that he gave, the greatest sacrifice, his son, for you and for me. And that's why we celebrate this weekend to extend the greatest offer to you. Believe so that, and here's the last thing I wanna share with you, that you could receive the greatest gift ever. What is the greatest gift? Like, what is this great gift? Look what he says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that if you believe, here's the gift, that you will not perish, but you will have eternal life forever. Now, does it take much to look at this verse to realize there's two options here? Perish or eternal life. That's the two options. No in between, no graded on a curve, which I loved that, by the way, when I was in school. Two options. Eternal life or to perish. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but every single one of us will live forever. Yes, physically, our bodies will die, but you will live forever. And next month, I turned 44 years old, and I'm sitting there thinking how fast life goes by. And when you have kids, it goes even faster because you can see time in them as they grow and they change. And like, how is this life going by so fast? And then you realize the brevity of life, how short life is. And I mean, 60, 70, 80 years, that's, man, you might not even live that long. And that is nothing when it compares to eternity. So here's the reality. You will live forever in one or two places. A place called heaven where you'll be in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. Will there be no more cancer, no more sickness, no more tears, no more heartaches, no more I don't love you, no more abuse, no more. Or a place called hell where the Bible says there'll be eternal torture. Two options. And it's your choice. Why would we neglect such an unbelievable offer to receive the greatest gift ever? And that way, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, some things radically change. When all of your sins are forgiven, now that you have a purpose for living, and eventually you have a home in heaven. Why would God do all this? Because he loves you. He loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. And he woke you up this morning by his mercy, gave you breath this morning by his grace, and brought you to this place or watching online or wherever you are in the world that you would hear this. For he loves you. In the midst of chaos and, and complication and, and confusion in the world, don't miss the single simple message of the gospel and the simple reason we celebrate this weekend. Jesus came, he died, he got up out of the grave for you. Now what do I do? 
The Bible says this. If I would confess with my mouth, Romans, look what it says. If I would confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, don't miss the context of that verse. Paul is writing to the Christians who are in Rome. Well, guess who's the Lord in Rome? Caesar. And so what they would do is they would march Christians in front of Caesar. And they would stand people in front of Caesar. And you would say, Caesar is Lord. So Paul writes to the Christians and says, if you truly want to be saved, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is a complete death sentence to the Roman Christian. And church history tells us, one by one, they marched Christians in front of Caesar and said, we're going to give you one time to tell us who the Lord is. And the Christians would stand and they would turn their backs to Caesar and they would look to the heavens and they would say, Jesus Christ is Lord and then instantly would be killed. Paul says, you want to be saved? Confess Jesus as Lord. See, we live in a society today that we're, we can't even talk about Jesus. We're afraid to talk about Jesus. I may lose my job. I, I, I may offend somebody. I may scare people away. Where are you going to scare them to? Hell number two. Where are you going to scare the world away to? I mean, could you imagine that you have to stand before someone and confess Jesus as Lord, knowing that your life is going to be taken? And we get upset when somebody's offended because we post something on Facebook about Jesus. You want to be saved? Confess it. Show the world that you believe that God sent his son. He died. He got up out of the grave for you and for me. And if you believe you will be saved. And you may be asked the question, saved from what? You will be saved from the wrath of God. I will never, ever, 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 ever experience the wrath of God. You know why? Because I once was an enemy of God. I put my faith and trust in his son. He took me, he adopted me, and he placed me in his family. And because I am placed in the family of God, I will not receive God's wrath. Why? Because Jesus took my punishment. Jesus took my wrath. But there will come a day when God comes back to judge and he is coming back. He will then pour his wrath out. On who? On those who didn't believe. He woke you up. He gave you a chance. Believe. I'm going to ask you if you would just to bow your head just for a moment. What keeps you from accepting this beautiful gift? For some of you, it's fear. You're afraid. What would it mean if you gave your life to Jesus today? Well, man, I got, I don't know, man, I got changed friends. I mean, it's gonna change my life. I mean, what are you afraid of? For some of you, it's doubt. You doubt. It's okay. God's not afraid of your questions. But you know what's one of the biggest reasons that keeps people from coming to Jesus? 
pain. You're mad, you hurt. Someone walked out on you, someone hurt you, and you wanna blame God for it. And your pain will keep you from coming to receive Jesus. And listen to me, don't ever let some other person's sin keep you from experiencing Jesus. Because he loves you. Paul writes to the Corinthians church, God at the right time will come. And indeed he has. He's come for you now. Today is the day of salvation. All you have to do is believe. So here's the invitation. Do you believe? The greatest love with the greatest sacrifice extends the greatest offering to you today. All you have to do is believe. And if you do, you will receive the greatest gift of eternal life. How do I do that? Paul already told us, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So right where you sit, you can pray with me. Now listen to me, saying a prayer don't save you, but my lips can proclaim what my heart declares. If my heart declares right now that this Jesus is the Lord and he loves me in the midst of all my sin, he's still, yet while I was a sinner, he still died for me. I wanna give my life to him today. And just like in the first service today, we had a gentleman, homeless on the streets of Brooklyn in New York, makes his way to Moorhead, Kentucky, finds his place in the seat for the very first time in his life, realizes the pain of his past kept him from receiving the greatest gift ever. And just like you right now, he gave his life to Jesus. You're in great company today. So you can pray with me, say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me, I believe you died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, today, I repent of my sin, and I give my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Now, if that's you, whether you're watching online, or if you, we love to let you know, let us know right now in the chat, let us know. Hey, today I gave my life to Jesus. In the same way, if you're in person at our Grayson campus or you're here in person at our Moorhead campus, here's what I want you to do. I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna bear you. But just like we did in the first service, people gave their life to Jesus. If that's you, you say, pastors, we'll let you know, today, <laughs> I got the right belief. Today, I believe. Let me know, just raise your hand. Let me know. Anywhere in the house, come on. The pastor, the day I gave my life to Jesus. We are so thankful that salvation has visited us today. And God is in the business of saving people. And God's gonna continue to use this ministry to change this region. I'm so glad you're part of the family of God today. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy that's new every single day of our life. God, thank you that you're in the business of saving people. And thank you, Father, you gave us breath this morning. You woke us up this morning. You brought us to this place to experience 
your presence, and your love for us. We celebrate your son's alive, and because he lives, we can face tomorrow. For it's his name we ask and we pray, and everybody said, amen.